This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shay Norman and Tyler. Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, your weekly recap podcast. Tyler Aki and Shay Norling as we dive into the full recap of Week 12. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. A rare Monday appearance from us, Shay. The schedule's finally aligning. We're here on a Monday morning getting some college football recap in. But you walked in today and said, I've got a question for you. Yeah. So, Shay, fire the cannons. What do you have? I assume yesterday was one of the best days of your life. Yes, just, it, it was a the, great day. By the news that came down, I so assume you had was one of the a, great days of your life. Yesterday was a sleep-in morning for me. Sundays uh, are usually the sleep-in morning for me. But then my phone just starts buzzing at around 8 in the morning, nonstop for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, what could this possibly be? I look at it. I see my college group chat is on fire. It's like you wake up and then you see the group chat. 98 messages and i'm yep. like what the fuck did i miss and then I, I scroll down through my notifications and i see the tweet notification from pete thamel syracuse is planning on firing dino babers and i go hallelujah what a morning this is on sunday i imagined just the smile on your face what a way to wake up that one of your greatest enemies is getting professionally killed there's no better way to start a morning you get a nice cup of coffee you make yourself some breakfast you're already in a great mood that's got to be the best way but then uh, two and a half hours after the firing this from pete thamel early names for syracuse in no order jason candle toledo head coach bronco mendenhall doug marone Tony White, Al Golden, Kurt Signetti, Jim Knowles, Sean Lewis, Bob Chesney. Was Jim Knowles on that list? Yeah, Liam Cohen and Terrell Austin. How quickly did the air come out of the balloon? Not super quickly because I understand what my program is, all right? And there's a couple of names on that list that actually do intrigue me. I can't believe we're leading Syracuse football here. but I'm leading Tyler Aki. All right, Um there are a couple names on that list that do intrigue me, specifically Doug Marone, because he was there right before Scott Schaefer, and he actually had brought that program to a new height. He is the last great Syracuse head football coach, and then he just left to go to the NFL. Not much you can do to try to combat that, right? I would take Doug Marone back in a heartbeat. He knows how to recruit the Northeast, which is a, a very, very challenging thing to do at Syracuse. But he knows how to recruit there. He was a great coach for them once upon a time. I'd take him back in a heartbeat if he wants to come back. So is my, he still at Alabama? Is he still the? He was an offensive line coach at Alabama last I saw. He might be. I'd have to look. Uh, I have to get you this. I have another friend who was also a Syracuse football fan graduate, and uh, he commented on Doug Marone, and he had a little different read on it than you. Really? He said people hate Doug Marone because of the way he left. He said, "Quote." Doug Marone, LMAO, give me a fucking break. Going back to your ex after she got ran through and gained weight. Is that unfair? I don't know. That is someone who who holds Syracuse football in too high of regard right there. He's doing what I do at Michigan State. Right. Like, Like... You're holding Syracuse football in way too high of regard there if you're pissed that your coach left to go to the NFL. The NFL. Like, what, what are we doing here? This is like the Bears fan who doesn't want Harbaugh right now. 
That's exactly what this is if you don't want Doug Marone. One of your own, and he has a chance to come back, and he has a track record of success, too, especially at the collegiate level. By the way, he's with the New Orleans Saints right now. He's an offensive line coach with the Saints. All right. Well, I don't know. I I read it, and I thought to myself, if Michigan State were to hire any of the names on this list, I would consider cell phone. But Michigan I would State light and all my Syracuse gear on fire. are very different programs. Well, Your team has been to a college football playoff before. My team hasn't sniffed the top 10 of a playoff ranking ever. Yeah, but they don't act all that different. So it, I felt like we were kind of in the same, a similar boat, maybe. I would be okay. Maybe with, not. I would be good with Sean Lewis. He was a once upon a time yeah, Syracuse coordinator. Good offensive mind. Good offensive mind there. Dion kicked him to the curb. Well, Dion. A lot of things got kicked to the curb with Deion Seam. If you're going to blame Sean Lewis for an FCS roster, that's on you, pal. Um, and then Tony White, another guy. He was the defensive coordinator for Syracuse. He's now at Nebraska. Matt Rule brought him over in the offseason. They've, I, they've worked ta- some wonders with that defense, Yeah, too. and I've talked to some people who have done games. Like You know how there's the production meetings, and they, yeah. they talk to the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach? A lot of them said, I can't believe Tony White's not the head coach of this team. Back when he, they were doing Syracuse games. Really? Well, that, the way that he kind of commanded the room and everything like that. That would said, make it an interesting Tony hire. White should be the head coach of this team. I just feel like now is the time you have to strike if you're a program like Syracuse and just big boy it up, right? Like that's how I feel about Michigan State. Your conference is changing. If you're the ACC, you're, and it, granted you're not bringing in power players, but you're bringing in Stanford, Cal, SMU, the playoff is expanding. Now's the time. Yeah. If there were ever a time to spend a little money and try to become a bigger program, is, it's is now. adding up, yes. I, I totally agree with you. There. Now, I do believe Dino does have a pretty hefty buyout as well. So, But on the flip you side here. You should get here, him to jerk off on a cell phone. <laughs> on the flip side here, boy, that, that's, that'll, <laughs> that'll erase a problem for you real fast. <laughs> on the flip side here, though, you're not paying your basketball coach a whole heck of a lot right now. And not that Jim Beheim was making a ton of money, given what he probably should have been making tenure-wise, right. but you're not paying your basketball coach a ton of money right now, so that timeline is sort of reset. But let's say things go south on the basketball side. You'd rather pony up to go and pay a basketball coach than I think this program would rather go and pony up to pay a football coach. Is, that, is Syracuse different than like every other school in America where the basketball no, program no, no, the is football, the front porch? The football program i i still think makes more money just because of but it's more because of what college football is in terms of like if you go by like capacity of arena like i and you know in fact i have been to home basketball games with higher attendance than some of the football games i've been to well, yeah, but the football team, like, if they got good, it would be higher attendance. But even when they're good, even when they're good and then, like, Clemson comes to town, they're still not selling the place out. Yeah, that was true this year. But I feel like you you knew this year it wasn't going to be good. What were they, 5-0 and when Clemson came? 4-0? and 4-0 when Clemson came. Yeah. yeah. They were 4-0 and when Clemson came. But here, here's the other thing, too, with it is that they, even in years past, like last year I think is a good example, or, or a couple years ago, even when they're good, it still takes a lot. It takes the perfect formula. Like, I think back to my senior year. The perfect formula was you had a team that was top 20 in the nation, 
and you had a night game against NC State, which was a good NC State, like a yeah. Ryan Finley team. That was a good NC State team, and it had to be a night game. If that game was at noon Eastern time, they're not selling out. Yeah. Well, and it was also- late in the season. It was to clinch a bowl. All of it was there, and it was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of for a football game at Syracuse, but everything had to add up, and I think they sold out. What's like, the student pop at Syracuse? It's not as big as people think. It's, uh, it's, I, when I was there, it was like 12, and I think it's since grown oh, to like wow. 14. Yeah, that's kind of small. Well, I was just thinking like in terms of geographics, you're in the worst place in America for college football. Nobody in upstate New York mm-hmm. gives a fuck. Nobody in New England. Gives a fuck. Yeah. Like that whole region, nobody cares about college football. Mm-hmm. So then you add on relatively small student pop. But in fairness, you are you are that surrounding area, like literally all the way to New York. Pretty much you own the state of New York, right. parts of Pennsylvania. You are the event every single weekend. If you really build this thing up, like you're the event. You are no different than what... Like, when Kansas sold out against Oklahoma, like, that could be you because there's nothing else to do in Lawrence, Kansas and the surrounding areas. That's the event. Like, that can be you because you own the region. But you just haven't put a product on the field that's worth people selling out and and blocking off chunks of their Saturdays to commit three, four hours to. Did you see the latest Urban Meyer rumors over the weekend? No, what do we got? I don't know if any of these are corroborative or corroborated or like real concrete or anything, but I'm going to read them and take mm-hmm. them as gospel. These are your breadcrumbs. You this are, is, this is what I've chosen you would, to do. You would go right into the bear trap right now. I was reading rumors that urban indeed met with Michigan state people that Michigan state people then sent people to meet with urban at his home in Florida and that Urban Meyer has made multiple phone calls to prospective assistant coaches gauging the temperature on their willingness to join him in East Lansing. Now, here's a question I have for you. Is this an exercise? Is he, like, getting his reps in so he can, like, is he using Michigan State as his practice reps? Are they the JV squad for Texas A&M? Maybe. Maybe. Because now I also saw Sarasota private flight flew from Sarasota to College Station. And so <laughs> the greatest time of year. And so now the urban to A&M rumors are flying. But I refuse to believe that those are true. I still think if and it's obviously totally a pipe dream. But if urban's like it's between Michigan State and Texas A&M and somehow the money is the same. It won't be. But but um, yeah, just yeah. live in a world with me where like Ishbia is like I'll match whatever the Exxon guys want to give you. Mm-hmm. It's a it's. Five years, eighty million at A and M, and it's five years, eighty million at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's the one that lets you play Michigan every year, not A and M. I guess. I feel like that is a polling point for a guy who will not even say the name of the school. He now the problem the, now, is now. Here is the other thing too. Would he want to go to A and M so he can? Play Florida? Play Florida. Not to beat Florida necessarily, but to walk out on that field and get the roar. Well, just then go to Michigan State and schedule fucking Florida. <laughs> What's stopping you? Just We'll do a trip to the swamp in year three, Urban. Whatever you want. Is he going to be around in year three? <laughs> yeah, year three is the title. Year one 
is the rebuild year. Year two is the, whoa, they're pretty good. Year three is the national championship. Year four is the inexplicable road loss to, like, Nebraska. Year five is the inexplicable road loss and impending doom scandal. And then he leaves. Okay. That's the Urban Meyer formula. Well, I'm rooting Health for you. Health scare as well. I'm root- yeah, I'm rooting for you. I, I really am. I, I hope this because you've said you will do cartwheels if this happens. I told Charlie if it happens, I will. He said he prays that it breaks between seven and ten on a weekday, mm-hmm. and he said I told him if it happens, you I will walk on my hands for a month. I will spend a month. I won't even be able to touch the ground with my feet. I'll this is your show. Like I, I'm, I am all hands on deck for show. Hey, this is your show. Yeah, this is this is the white whale here. This is the one that's like now is the time. It's all lined up. It's perfect. Just do it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some of the games from the weekend because it was a, a very interesting weekend. Even though some of the results were blowouts, there are still a lot of things that I think impact the college football playoff picture. We can just kind of go down kind of one through six here in terms of the rankings and and how things sort of shook out. But let's start with number one, and Georgia continues their march as they – I mean, they're the best team in the country right now. There's no no other team that is really in the conversation given the way that Georgia is playing right now. 38-10 to over Tennessee on the road. Carson Beck continues to play great football. He throws for almost 300 yards, also tacks on three touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, Lad McConkey didn't play in this game, too. Brock Bowers it looked like got a little shaken up at one point in the game, but he, he's still Brock Bowers. He's still making things happen out there. This team's a wagon right now. And, and I'm starting to get into, okay, I, I don't know if those teams 5 through 12 could actually hold a candle to this, to this one. Yeah, if they play the way that they played against Ole Miss and against Tennessee, it feels like we're back to what last year was, which was just wire to wire. They're the best team in the country, and nobody's going to do it. Except Ohio State came really close. So, like, maybe they, there's still that leveling off when you play an elite opponent, but... I don't know if that's there, and I'm starting to get to the same point, especially with the way Carson Beck has looked and the way that their defense has really bared down and just owned opponents. I'm at a point now where I feel like Georgia's out far and away half. elite. Like Shut them out. The clear best team. Now, they have Alabama slated. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the SEC championship game in two weeks, and I cannot fucking wait to watch that game. I feel like that's going to be, again, sports theater. Because the job, like, we haven't haven't talked a ton about Alabama because you and I both thought they're not that good. And I still think they're not that good. But Nick Saban might be doing the best and most impressive coaching job of his career with this team. They're not talented, but they're good. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm at with them. They're just, they have high floor players no high ceiling players, but high floor players at every single position. And, and he's getting games. the absolute most out of them. And, yeah, they don't make mistakes. He's figured out what to do with Milrow. We're going to spread everybody out and kind of spread option run this. And it's working. Like, the power run that they're doing through the quarterback is incredible to watch. And I didn't know if they were going to get to this point. So I now can't wait to see how this inferior Bama team lines up with this version of Georgia. That's going to be a thrilling game to watch. Yeah, like, and you've kind of seen Bama win games in any sort of way. They've gotten, and I think the the real sort of impressive thing with Alabama is they've seen two teams that can put you in a shootout, 
and have kind of locked them down defensively. Ole Miss and LSU. Yep. They've locked them down defensively. Well, I think the Bama defense is legit. Like the Bama, But it's not like one of those defenses that has six guys going on the first two days of the draft. No, it's not like what the Georgia defense has been the last couple of years. But you do have Dallas Turner, who's a potential top five pick in the draft at the edge. You've got Malachi Moore, who I think is a good player. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think, is wildly overrated, but still it's an NFL corner. Like, they've got players on that defense that are good. And just looking at the metrics, it's one of the two or three best defenses in America. So, at some point, it has to be real, right? Like, they keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And they do it against good offenses, and I think that's the most important part there. I will say nothing changed with Georgia in terms of, like, how they're viewed, except for if you go to, like, the AP poll, which doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting first-place votes except for them. 61 first-place votes for Georgia, one for Ohio State, and Michigan actually fell from two to three. Listen, the the switch flips with them, and, and I was very skeptical about this three-game stretch in particular. Are you going to be able to turn it on three times in a row against Missouri, against Ole Miss, and against Tennessee? The Missouri game was shaky, but I think Mizzou's a really good team. Yeah. Um, and I'm not taking away anything from a nine-point win against uh, against Mizzou. And then you blew the brakes off of Ole Miss, and Tennessee was never competitive in this game. Never. So when you look at all that, and then you got Georgia Tech next week, don't think that's going to be too much of a scare at all. I, this team just, they found a way to, and maybe it's just they needed an easing in period with all these new pieces, new quarterback, and I didn't know if they would find the switch like this at this point in the season. It was something like, what did they lose, 24 starters over the last two seasons to the draft? It's insane. So it's at some point, it, it you don't just turn new guys in and have the same success. Things have to take time to grow a little bit. Certainly that's the case with Carson Beck, who started the year kind of bad. A little bit like Kyle McCord. Yeah. Started the year rough and now feels like they're rounding into form, both of them, but Carson Beck especially. Carson Beck's been fantastic for the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to number two here, Ohio State. They crushed Minnesota 37-3. to That lone field goal for the Gophers coming in the fourth quarter. The defense was fantastic again. Kyle McCord did everything he, he needed to do. And then Travion Henderson had one of his best games for an Ohio State rushing attack that I think you're really – if they want to have a chance in the playoff, the running game needs to, to be there because we've seen at times where Ohio State can be shaky throwing the football, and I think – Obviously, this upcoming week against Michigan is going to be a fantastic test to see how that looks in a primed spot. But Ohio State and, and their, their running game, it's been hit or miss pretty much all season, but it seems like it's starting to find a little bit of a groove here with Henderson. Well, early in the year, it was a huge struggle in the running game. Like There were times when they just didn't run the ball at all. Remember the Notre Dame game? They couldn't run. And a part of why they needed Kyle McCord to be so nails in that final drive is because they couldn't run the ball all game. They were playing this weird field position kind of rock fight, and it feels like they're starting to become not so much of that team, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, Travion Henderson, last three of the last four games going over 100 yards, 162 on the ground against Wisconsin, 128 against Rutgers, just 63 on 13 against Michigan State. But Michigan State sneaky is one of the best run defenses in America and always is. And then 146 against Minnesota at home. So it feels like it, it maybe not against the elite opponents, but at least when they're supposed to, they're starting to run the ball more. 
And that's going to be really important for Ohio State next week, too, when they play Michigan. Where Michigan, too, very good up front, but leaky in that back end. And I, Marvin Harrison might be able to take some serious advantage. Yeah. Like, they saw a real defense. They're actually more interesting to talk about to me than Ohio State is. Because yes. Ohio State just did their job and beat the fuck out of Maryland. Michigan or out of Minnesota, Michigan got pulled into a hell game with Maryland. Yeah, I wanted to use the Ohio State game to sort of weave into the Maryland game because I think, especially running the football, who's going to be the guy that can get them the one? Like, how many times did we see in this game Maryland need one yard and then they send Billy Edwards out there to to tush push it for for the yard that they needed yeah. against this Michigan defense? Ohio State needs to find that play. And it's going to probably have to come down to Travion Henderson because I don't think they're going to do that play with, with Kyle McCord. But they need to find their – we need to beat you for one yard here because the, Maryland found themselves in a lot of those situations, and the reason they were in this game was because they converted on pretty much all of them. Yeah, and the reason that they lost the game is because at the end they couldn't convert on some of those third and longs where I think Ohio State's going to be able to in more situations than Maryland could. Like, remember that – that is the second top 90 offense that Michigan has seen. Mm-hmm. And that is the best offense that Michigan has seen all season, is Maryland. Yes. And they actually scored some points. And they got chunk plays through the air. And guess what? Your team didn't really score po- Your offense didn't really score a lot of points. Right. A, a defensive touchdown and two safeties in this game. Your offense puts 20 on the board. That's like, two weeks in a row, too, where you can come out of that and go, we didn't throw the ball with J.J., but we didn't need to because our ground game was so good. And that if you want, but you're not scoring points with it. And Jim Knowles, this Ohio State defense has been awesome this year. Mm-hmm. If they lock down and they don't let you run the ball like that and just dominate time of possession, if you're getting more two, three-yard carries than you are four or five with Corum and Edwards, like I wonder – you're going to have to throw the football. And J.J. in situations on Saturday where he had to throw the football was bad. Look, he hasn't been able – they haven't trusted him to do it the last two weeks. Right. And when he does against Merritt, he threw a horrible interception. Yep, he was missing some line. deep balls. Yeah. It just – I don't feel like he's a legit quarterback right now for Michigan. And I wonder if they get into a situation with this Ohio State team who defensively is a little different than they have been the last two seasons – they're much more legit in my in my mind, especially in the secondary. They fly and they're physical up front. If you get into situations where you have to throw the football with JJ McCarthy, are you going to survive Ohio State? I don't know. I don't think they will. I, I, you look at it too, like all right, Michigan's a, a favorite in this game right now. Five and a half points last I saw. Three and a half. Is it three and a half now? Yeah. Three and a half points. And they're favored for the first time in five years in this game. And to me, there's one play, and it's hitting the the big button for Ohio State. Ohio State on the money line feels like the play. Buckeye money line, man. You think about the last two years, too. I believe two years ago, Michigan was a seven-and-a-half-point dog. Yes, that sounds right. And last year, Michigan was a nine-point dog. And now you're flipping it to Michigan being a three-and-a-half-point favorite against an Ohio State team that kind of just looks like the same Ohio State team. If Just using my brain and a little bit of math, Ohio State's the way to go here. Especially if you believe the sign-stealing scandal had anything to do with Michigan as a bigger-than-a-touchdown dog blowing the doors off of Ohio State the last two seasons. Yeah. It, like, the last, last couple games, they have not looked competitive, Ohio State, in, in the... 
the in the rivalry against Michigan. Like, yeah, it's they, it's been shocking. They've it's gotten been really thunk. shocking. And now I feel like we go back to Michigan starting to look more like Michigan of the 2014 to 2020 span with Harbaugh, where it's mm-hmm. we're going to hand the ball off and we're going to play time possession, we're going to play field position, and we're going to win games ugly. And less of the last two seasons where it's like, whoa, we really got a quarterback and we can open up the passing game a little bit. Michigan looks much more like the team before then. And I'm not even saying it's related to the cheating. It could be related to Sharon Moore being the head guy on the sideline and just trying to vanilla his way through these two games. But it gives me cause for concern. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Florida State. The the game and the result here is not what matters. The story of the Sad game, man. though, is that Jordan Travis uh, suffered a season-ending injury here that, oh, boy, that was one of the gruesome ones that uh, they have to give you a little warning before they show it on SportsCenter. Like, th- this... What a shitty time! For it was the happen. Gordon Hayward. Injury. Yeah, like it. You it see sucks. Your legs it, sideways. It sucks. There's no way around it. It stinks. So that kind of took all the wind out of the sails in the first quarter. This team was losing to North Alabama, yeah, fourteen nothing at the or thirteen nothing at the end of the first quarter. They do end up scoring fifty eight unanswered, and uh, Tate Roadmaker comes in. It's a good player to to save the day. But you play Florida this week which is, I think, now with a quarterback change, no guarantee you win that game. Although we have kind of been saying, like, the receivers have been helping out a lot with with Jordan Travis, too. There are weapons still there. But you Uh, lose a lot in your run game without Jordan Travis. You you definitely definitely on that front there. And then you play the the ACC championship game now against Louisville. Without a quarterback. Without a quarterback. I have to say, I feel bad. Because on Saturday when we were doing our show, I said I needed some, America needed nothing more than somebody to beat Florida State because they're not a legitimate team and they don't belong in the playoff. And then Saturday night, this happened. And Adam Abdallah texted us, Shea killed Jordan Travis. The blood is on your hands. I don't believe that it is. I'm not celebrating that Jordan Travis got hurt. I am not. It's very shitty. It, like, it sucks situationally. But in terms of football now, What does the committee do with this team? Is that a reason enough? Quarterback change, you do not have your best player. Is that reason enough to keep a team out of the playoff if they win these last two and go undefeated? I don't think you can. I don't know. You cannot. A 13-0 power conference champion who has sat in a playoff spot every single iteration of the rankings coming out, you can't. You, You cannot take an undefeated Florida State out. Even if you're subbing them in, like Oregon gets here, getting subbed in. I think an undefeated Washington can sub in. I don't think a one-loss Oregon, one-loss Texas, one-loss Bama can sub in. Without Jordan Travis. I just matter. wonder I how much it, that'll factor that, into the decision. Maybe. I don't think it should at all. If you go out Do you and think it will games, tonight? Be- or tomorrow night when the rankings come out? Because they could put Washington four, and think, then this becomes a moot point. I think, well, yes, I I think it comes down to the strength of record. Like, I think Washington, especially now after going on the road and beating Oregon State, they have the much more impressive resume as opposed to what Florida State has. And quite frankly, I've thought that for a while now with, with Washington in the conversation against Florida State. They've had the better collection of wins across the country. But 
I just, I don't, you cannot leave Florida State out if they finish the job. If you finish the job, you have to, you have to let them in. It's fair. I mean, I feel that way too. It's just, I wonder what they're going to do with it. Like, that's the whole thing. I guess part of it will figure itself out next week, assuming Florida State wins, because Can Michigan they even... or Ohio State are going to lose. That bumps one of them out. Yeah. And that bumps that team down to what? Seven? Maybe not that far. Five, but six, if, seven. If it's a, yeah, in that range. If it's a margin of victory thing. Yeah, in that range. Can Five Florida is... State beat Louisville without Jordan Travis? That's the question now. I I still think Louisville's fake as fuck, regardless of what they did over the weekend. I still think they're not real. They do just enough. It's like that. They're bullshit. It, it's they're fucking. They are fugazi. They aren't fucking real. Miami had every opportunity to win that game. Vomited on themselves. How about like they goal, have all season long? Goal to go from the two yard line, and you can't get it done. Like all season for Miami, it's been situational turnovers like the fumble going into the end zone against North Carolina. It's been red zone possessions that end empty because Tyler Van Dyke can't get can't figure it out. That was the case against Louisville over the weekend. Louisville's just fucking and then the, fake. The dumbest coaching decision of all time as right. well on the Miami resume. Against but, Georgia Tech. So yeah. like Louisville to me is still fake, but without Jordan Travis, can they beat LSU? And then what do you do with Louisville? A 12 and 1 Louisville ACC champion, and then you have to work them into this playoff matrix? We needed 12 teams. Can we emergency 12 teams this? I'd take fucking eight. Just emergency eight team playoff this. We have too many good teams to just do four in the. What's stopping them? What is the the hand of God will descend from the clouds and put an end to it if you try to emergency eight team? You know what? Like there was the whole thing. Remember during COVID, the the phrase everyone learned was force majeure. Yes, by act of God or whatever it, it translates to in Latin. Like we have a force majeure football situation here. Exactly, of too many good teams. Let's force majeure this thing into into. Uh, an 8 or 12 teamer. Instead of making, and inevitably this year there will be a decision made that's going to leave multiple schools very pissed off. And they will be right to be very pissed off. Instead of the last year of this, it almost is a perfect poetic ending where you're going to be the biggest villains at the end of the season for who you leave out. Just say fuck it. There's a little thing I've discovered recently about life, Tyler. We can do whatever the fuck we want. And here's the other thing, There too. might be consequences for your actions, but you're welcome to fucking do it. So as the CFP, who is not governed by the NCAA, mm-hmm. and could uh, snap your fucking fingers and whip up an imaginary bowl game and drop it in a fucking town. We already have a shit ton of imaginary bowl games to begin with. Do you like, think if they knocked on fucking Georgia's AD's door... They said, hey, we're going to emergency A-team this. You're going to get a home playoff game in Athens. Do you, like any of the top four, would they go, eh, we're good? Would any of the bottom four go, we don't need to do that? No, let's play it. Yeah. You um, could absolutely do it. Now, coaches would probably be pissed. but Fuck them. Uh, exactly. I, like, the, you could figure this out. You really could. And, and like, like you mentioned, the... The NCAA can't do anything. And the playoff committee ranks 25 teams every fucking week. Just pull you eight. 
You don't need to go past 10. You they, made a great point. The bowl games already exist. Just fuck up this, manipulate the seating so that two of the New Year's Six Bowls become playoff games. And we're done. Like, the, the games are there. The inventory is there. The, the sponsors are there. You could, there's probably a clause in the contract that says, like, hey, we can rescind your, your sponsorship from this or we can, or like ask you for more money. Like, that's probably not a, a super locked in sponsorship price if it were to somehow magically be elevated to playoff status. Who's the AD? It's the, like the, or the chair of the playoff committee. It's like the AD of Vanderbilt or something. Some shit school like yeah. that. It might even be Syracuse. God no, help not. me. It is not John Wildhack. Uh, um, I can't remember who it is, but I'm going to write him a letter. Make it eight fucking teams. Boo Corrigan. Boo Corrigan. Make it eight teams. This season deserves eight teams. State, that's right. Mm-hmm. Just wave your fucking magic wand and manipulate the New Year's Six Bulls so that two of them who nobody gives a shit about anyway... Remember Kenny Pickett sat out the Peach Bowl? Nobody gives a fuck if your game is on New Year's Day. They're yeah, not playing it. No one cares anymore. Like, Just fucking move it. Make it a playoff game. That's Wave why your hand. The that, game exists. Seed it and go. That's why I've always been in the camp of let's get more games that matter. Like That's why I've always wanted the expanded playoff is let's have more football games that people care about. Nobody cares about the other games. Nobody wants to watch these other bowl games. Half the guys don't play. Half the guys don't care. Half the guys are partying the night before. So you get a hungover football game the next day. Like, none of it matters. Yep. So what are you playing for? Let's have games of consequence. I like more games of consequence. Everyone, you're going to have blowouts in playoff games. I get that, all right? But that's because the gap between one and four is severe. I don't think the gap, even in the the years where where the where Georgia has run away or Bama's run away with a playoff or Clemson's run away with a playoff game, the gap between five and twelve is not the same as the gap between one and four. And that's why I want to see those teams, the five through twelves, still play games that mean something. I mean, even the, just this year is so special. Like, think about one and eight would be Georgia and Alabama. That's a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Two and seven would be Ohio State and Texas. That's a fantastic game. Three and six, Michigan and Oregon. That's a fantastic game. Three, four and five, Washington, Florida State. Those games, all four of them, would lead any other Saturday and, and any other week. And here's the other part of it, too. You're involving big brands in yep. your marquee event. Bingo. Like, this year, if the season were to just stopgap end today and let's say the committee flipped Florida State and Washington in their rankings tomorrow, right? You would, your extra four teams would be four of the most iconic brands in your sport. You would have Florida State, Oregon, Texas, Bama. Like that's and, what that's what you're missing out on. And Georgia and Ohio State and, and Michigan. Like, why are we not just doing, dude, Bo Corrigan, wave your fucking wand and make it eight. Expand for the love today. of God. Mm-hmm. Just say it makes sense. Why not? It's it, not like, yeah, like, it's not like we're. I'm going to write a letter. The The inventory is there. That's the, that's the thing that always pisses me off is that we have to see some, like, two shitty teams go to, to Albuquerque, New Mexico yep. to play a fucking bowl game. But we can't get a game of consequence that people care about. Down the stretch in early January. I'm going to write a letter. You're writing a letter? I'm doing it. All right. Can I co-sign it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Now that we've got that out of our system, 
Let's talk a little Washington and Oregon State. And, oh, well, but just to, to put a bow on the Florida State conversation, you go undefeated, and assuming nothing changes today or uh, tomorrow, then I think you, you, you have to leave them in. You have to. You cannot penalize them for an injury. I would get it if they did, but we'll see. All right. Washington on the road beats Oregon State. The octobomb was detonated. Um, my friend, as I, your your Oregon State play, I, I was with you for it. You were not a happy camper. I thought I managed I, that all, fairly well. Situationally, all things considered, you acted like an adult, and I have to tip my hat to that. I, I thought we were going to get child shay. Well, I did say early in the evening that if Oregon State loses, I got reckless. I bet eight units on Oregon State. I was having a very good day in college mm-hmm. football. I was winning a lot of money, and I said, "Well, let's." Try to turn this into either a great day or yeah. fuck it up. And so I put eight units on Oregon State, and DJU just and late. It got close. He just couldn't get me over the top, and they lost. And early in the evening, I, we were having a party at my house. My wife put it on, this Friendsgiving deal. And I had uh, said to Tyler that I threatened to ruin the party. If Oregon State loses, I may flip a table. I may break some shit, start yelling at people, kicking people out. They lost. I stepped out onto my back porch, sat on the steps for five minutes or so, went right back in and kept drinking. I was good. You had a great time. I don't understand why that didn't impact me more, but I'm glad. (laughs) I thought I was going to rage. I can't tell if that means you have a problem or not. I thought I was going to rage. I thought I for sure have a problem, but that's fine. There were moments where I was like, I'm surprised you're not a little more upset here. But I think at a certain point in the game, you kind of accepted fate. Well, yeah, because it was 22 to 10. Like, you never thought for a second that Oregon State was was going to win that game, was going to come down on that final drive and win. I don't think you had that in you. It turned into, like, excitement because against all odds, I'm still alive. And it wasn't ever really like a... I'm going like if they blew a cover, I would have raged. Mm-hmm. If, but getting blown out, not blown out because they were still in the game. But you know what I mean, like twenty-two to ten, it felt insurmountable. Yeah. Being especially able, especially given the conditions and everything, right? Too. Being able to accept early on that I was on the losing side made it a little bit easier to swallow. Yeah. So I was okay, and like honestly, when Roma Dunze caught the opening drive touchdown, I felt like the game was over. So I just made my peace with it early. Well done. You, you acted like an adult. Good for yeah, you, you didn't a, think I had that in me, a, did that's you? A, that's a, a building block moment for you. Well done. Uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> move forward off of that. Did not break a wall of, <laughs> over the Oregon State loss. I'll hang a banner in my living room. <laughs> 2023 champion. Did not break the wall. Off an octobomb loss. Um, this is another thing, too, with the Washington. Kind of something that we've been saying with them. Their defense isn't good. But it's, had, but it's had situational moments, like getting the stop on that final drive, a situationally good thing that their defense did. And they have their moments. They force a turnover, albeit probably part of it in, in due to the, uh, the weather and the conditions of the game. But they have their moments, and it's just going to be, all right, in the Pac-12 championship, can you have your moment? Can you go out there and, and against Bo Nix – can you have your moment? Can you get them to, to throw an interception? Can you force a turnover at a certain point? Your offense can hang, but what what is your defense going to do? Because Oregon's defense is significantly better than yours, and how are you going to play your situational football? Are you going to be able to come up with the big turnover or the big play or the big stop that's ultimately going to determine whether or not you're going to the playoff? You know what else? 
Washington was like offensively situationally good. Mm-hmm. And this has become a bit of a theme for them. Like normally I'd hand wave away Michael Penick's performance like that by just saying it was pouring rain and there were a lot of drops. But it's becoming a little bit more consistent that he's just pedestrian. And he made a couple of big throws. Like, oh, that was yeah. it, the third down where he threw across his body, finds a tight end down the side. Like, that the, was a big-time throw. The, the one that sealed the game. Yeah, the, and, but the one at the end of Roma Dunze was also a big-time throw that ended the game. Mm-hmm. So he did make a couple big plays, but 13 at 28 for 162 and two tuds. And honestly, when the, weather, drops. When the weather cleared up in the second half, though, Oregon State was the dominant team. In the second yeah. half. I mean, the, they won the second half 10 nothing. Yeah, so. They also won the second half by like 150 yards gained. It, mm-hmm. it just, I think there's also cause for concern with Washington. And it's why I've been so strong on when this Pac-12 title that now feels inevitable between Oregon and Washington happens. I think Washington is walking into a buzzsaw. And Oregon is said buzzsaw. Yeah. Well, it's going to be... Listen, conference championship weekend is going to be fantastic. Yeah. We've got a lot on the line. We now, get a Friday night, Washington, Oregon. We get a Saturday, what is that, an afternoon game, LSU and or yeah. Bama and Georgia? Mm-hmm. 2.30. Um, now, I have started to think about this a little bit more. I do think the two Pac-12 team scenario is not as far off as we think. Where both of them get I in? I think both of them can get in. So what has to happen? All right, so Michigan, Ohio State, that figures itself out, right? Sure. And I'm taking one loss Washington over either of those Ohio State or or okay. Maryland teams uh, or, or uh, Michigan teams. Florida State obviously has to lose. They have to be out of the equation. But then if Georgia wins the SEC championship, Texas will still have the – or uh, Washington will still have the better resume than Texas – so you get Washington, so it would be one Georgia, two Big Ten champ, three Oregon, four Washington? Yes. I wouldn't hate that. I think that would be good in terms of what I want to see in the, in the playoff. Now, the, the dicey thing is if Alabama wins. If Alabama well, if wins, Alabama wins, then we get two SEC teams. Right. But I, I don't think, and I actually, I don't think it's that unlikely either. Like, there's a very real chance... Florida State could, I mean, they could lose their finale against Florida. I read something interesting over the weekend, and I don't remember who wrote it. Yesterday I was watching NFL, and I was reading a little bit of college stuff, and there was a piece written about Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC title still can't go to the playoff because you would make a mockery of the sport by having them jump Texas who beat them. No, it's stupid. I don't feel like it is. Head-to-head is supposed to be the most meaningful thing. This is where the four team becomes such a stupid fucking idea because you can never get the right four. Because either you have to have Alabama jump Texas because they won their game later, or Texas staked in front of Alabama, in front of Alabama and you have a Power 5 one-loss champion sitting out of the playoff because they lost a game in early October at home to Texas. September. Late September. Week week two of the season. I'm sorry, but my my mind starts to wander from that a little bit there. Like I'm not head to head is supposed to be so valuable. I get that, but I think head to head starts to lose its luster a little bit as the season progresses. So no world for you where Bama wins the SEC with one loss but is still five. Correct. 
All right. It's just I, something I, I think read. The, the re- I'm not saying that's how I feel. The, it's just something I read. The resumes of, of a, a Bama versus Texas, if they are both conference champions, I am taking Bama. I, I don't, dude, I don't know. I don't think I can abide that. Texas beat Alabama. What more do you have to do? Look at the rest of their schedule. I mean, you lost. Yeah, but who fucking cares? You beat that team. It's one game. I, you, if it's just one game, then Bam, like, what's Bama got to play for anymore? Like, then what should they just pack it up and go? Like, you can't. Sorry, don't season, lose to Texas. Seasons are not made off of one game. Yeah, but the whole fucking sport is stupid. This is my point. How do you look Texas in the face and go? I know you beat this team. But they won a game later than you did, even though you both won your conferences and have the same record. Here's what I'll they say. go, you don't. Here's what I will also say, too, about that game. I think you have to put Bama in if you're, if you're the committee, or otherwise you're going to discourage the Bama-Texas, like those type of games. You're going to discourage those from happening. Because So what? Who the f- what you'll do you mean, d- so what? No, you'll discourage them more from happening because Texas will never play it again. Texas beat Bama and gets left out? Why would Texas ever schedule a game like that again? If Bama can go out and have a dominant game but didn't Also, they'll be in the same conference, so it's a Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm saying in general, like the big-time inter-conference matchups, why would Bama ever go schedule that game again? If that's the reason they get left out, they could have went out and played. But you could have won it. It was in your fucking house. You could have won the game. You could have played... Maryland, I, and you'd be in the playoff? But they didn't. They played Texas. and So how does Texas get penalized, but not Bama? When Bama lost the fucking game. Bama, Bama has gone and looked way better than Texas the rest of the way. But they lost to Texas. But then, okay. This is where I can't reconcile. Well, well then here, here, here's another way. Then how can you put Oregon necessarily ahead of Washington? Be- they're... they're They'll and, split and the token, series. They'll split the series, and it's right down the middle. But I th- One game was just played at a different time well, than the other. Okay, then here. Washington win the game, and we don't have to worry about it. But if Oregon wins the conference title, you avenge your only loss, which was on kicker error. It's not like Bama. Texas. Texas won by double digits. I almost said something that would have been very unsavory. <laughs> I have to tell you. Texas blew them out in their own home. It won by 10, but okay. Yeah. All right. Texas beat them badly in their own home. You win by double digits at I'm their not, house. I'm not taking away from the win. Like it, it, was, it was a great win. For a long time, it was the best win in the entire sport. But we can't. This is what I'm saying, though. Like Then you can't go Alabama gets to go into the playoff. Texas, you have to stay home because Alabama beat a better conference opponent in the title game. I don't fucking Your care. Your other wins matter. Otherwise, like, No, but the one that matters the most should be the one where you beat the team that now I'm being told should go ahead of you in the playoffs. The head-to-head, especially September, I think is so stupid because the game, or the teams change so much over the course but, of the season. I want the best teams at the end. But then why play them? Then it just makes September the preseason. It doesn't actually matter. And the only thing that matters for your playoff is what happens from October 1st and on. Because then why play them at all? I wouldn't hate it. Like, like I, I, I put way more. It's the same thing I feel about college basketball. If you're going to. Like, this week is feast week in college basketball. Yeah, but college Great, basketball, you play different. 35 I, I games. Get it, I get it, but I'm, I'm just saying. I, feast week is great. The matchups are awesome. But when I'm coming down for, for tournament seating at the end of the year, nothing that was done in November has any bearing on how I'm judging a team in March. I care way more about what you've done 
in college football in the months of October and November than I do in September. I, dude, I just, I get it, and normally it's true. If they both had one losses and they were both conference titles, conference champions, and the losses were to different teams, I would evaluate based on the schedule. But when Texas beat Alabama, what is the point of playing that game if it's not going to matter when we're splitting hairs on two one-loss it teams still that are can both matter. conference champions? It still can matter. It has the, to matter in the sense that Texas goes ahead because of it, it, Well, it can matter in the sense that, all right, you've put one on Alabama. If Alabama loses another game the rest of the year, they're done. Right, but it also should matter with a in that if these two teams end up in the Texas same spot. Texas has also lost to an inferior opponent to Alabama. But who fucking cares? It should matter. If you get to the end and you go, these two teams are in the same spot. Because then it's like, well, the Alabama loss doesn't matter because it happened to Texas who lost to somebody else. So the Texas loss matters way more than Alabama losing to Texas. That doesn't work for me. Like, if you have two teams that end the season in the same place, conference champions and a Power 5 conference, each with one loss, the first thing you should look at is not strength of record. It's not how you're playing in December. It's did these two teams play each other, and if so, who won? And that team goes ahead of them. I think it works in certain contexts, but I think it doesn't work when you have You a, hate the sport. I don't hate the you sport. You want to make a mockery of the I'm sport. I'm not making a mockery of the sport. Uh, it's different because they play. If, if these were conference opponents, then I would follow that logic. But because they're not conference opponents— I think what does that it, it go- fucking matter? Because you look at the rest of the schedule. Texas has limped to the finish line against a shitty Big 12. Alabama. No, they lost their quarterback for three weeks. So what? If they had lost the They still the game, won the games. If they had lost. The, okay. Two weeks ago against TCU. A three-point win. They won it. A three-point win against TCU. A shitty TCU team. This week against Iowa State, didn't blow the doors off of them. I, I'm t- I don't give a fuck about style points when you have the head-to-head. Then you got Bama, who's gone out and had way more impressive victories. They'll have taken down yeah, the number 66-10 on Chattanooga. Okay, well, how about 42-28 on LSU, 34-20? And if we're having this conversation, it means you beat the number one team in the country. It means you have the best win in college football this season. Yeah, but you lost to Texas. You have the best win in college football this season. But you lost to Texas. I don't know what to... If they both end with one loss and Bama's one loss is to Texas and they're both conference champions, I have to go with Texas. I have to. I don't have to like it. I can sit here and think that Bama's better. But you can't lose to a team and then I go, sorry, that team, even though they have the exact same metrics as you, has to stay home because... You were a prettier girl the last couple months. Bama lost some weight, put on new lipstick, and now I got to put him in the playoff? Fuck off. That's how beauty pageants work, Jay. Yeah, but it's college football. It's not a beauty pageant. It's all subjective. <laughs> the, the committee has their hands full this year. They really do. You there and I are going to come to blows over this. There I can't imagine what the, situations. I can't imagine what the Holiday Inn Express ballroom where that committee meets up and decides the fates of these teams looks like if you and I are coming to blows over it. And we're going to write a letter, too. Um, okay. Um, any other games that we want to get to? Any other stories? I'm, like, nothing else really kind of struck. A, I mean, Bo Nix was fantastic again, six touchdowns. Although I did see, have you seen the Jaden Daniels is the favorite? But it doesn't matter. Because he's playing 12 games, Bo's playing 13. Yeah, but so here's the thing. Is Jaden Daniels has basically the same passing metrics as Bo Nix. And, and 
the crazy thing it was was that they left him in to throw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter yeah, against thanks. Georgia State in a 40-something point game. Thanks, Brian Kelly. Thank you for that. Like, Bo Nix had six touchdowns in the first half against Arizona State. I Like, this is such a, it's such a fake Heisman favorite right now. It, it means nothing. I don't know that it does because Jaden Daniels has also rushed for 1,000 yards. Like, he's incredible. He's got unbelievable numbers. He is the best player in America. It's just when the votes three losses. When the votes come out, how much will it matter that he hasn't played a meaningful game since week one? I wouldn't say he hasn't played a meaningful right. game, but he hasn't played a meaningful game since when did they play Ole Miss? Week what four. About Bama? That wasn't meaningful. I guess it was for the SEC title. Yeah. But it was still two lost team, your playoff hopes are about dead. And they got killed in that game. So it's like In fairness though, he was in the he got hurt and then the wheels really fell off. Sure, but, but my point is, as a voter, I st- whether it's right or wrong is not for me to say. I personally, if I had a Heisman vote, I would value team accomplishment as much as I would value individual accomplishment. I and I think that's what the award is. I think when you look at the NFL, everybody always bitches. This is an individual award. The team accomplishment shouldn't matter. Well, get your fucking head on right. That's what offensive players for. Of course the team accomplishment matters. We're not giving MVP to the best quarterback on a team that went fucking six and ten. It's just not going to happen. So, no, I, I would not be able to vote for Jaden Daniels despite him having incredible numbers because Bo Nix also has incredible numbers and a chance at clinching his conference and playing one a huge rivalry game on a Friday night this week. The last time they're going to play Oregon State for the foreseeable future. You're going to play a massive rivalry game, and then you're going to go to Vegas for a neutral site conference title where you'll have a chance to avenge a loss. And you might be able to put up like 10 touchdowns in the next two weeks doing that. Yeah, I'm going to end up voting for Bo Nix, and I don't think that that's wrong. Yeah, I think earning that 13th game and then in reality earning a 14th game after that matters. Correct. Like, that's why the the total numbers, when it all shakes out, Bo Nix is probably going to, I haven't looked at him lately, but Bo Nix is probably going to surpass, if he hasn't already, surpass Jaden Daniels in a number of those statistics. Like Certainly listen, the passing stats. Jaden Daniels threw eight touchdowns, or uh, accounted for eight touchdowns against Georgia State. I get it's Georgia State, whatever, but like... They are clearly trying to get him behind. Yeah, they are. And that's fine. Like, I have no problem with that if you're LSC and Brian Kelly. I here's, have no problem with that. Texas A&M, I think what you want at Texas A&M, they will line up and play defense. And I wonder how much Jaden Daniels is going to be able to just go buku on them. That may be a checked out team. A very checked out team. A&M? Yeah. Just playing for nothing at yeah. this point? Like, Jimbo's guys, dead. Could guys sit out that game, too? Who on that team is sitting out? I don't know. Like Sometimes there's like nook and cranny guys that... Max Johnson's like, I don't want to play. I'm protecting my draft I'm stock. Ta- I'm talking defensively. But. Maybe. Maybe. I'd have to look. But also, it is a rivalry game. And that does mean some stupid college kids who can get up for it. If you have a coaching staff in place with interims that can get a team up for this, then maybe there's something. But if they just let them ball on A&M, then I'm probably dead because... I don't think you're dead. I think having a third He's going to put up historic. Gonna... He's rushed for 1,000 yards. That's fine. Your guy's going to the playoff potentially and, and is playing a conference championship and can be a conference champion. And, and I feel like you're doing cope here. You're helping me cope with the fact that I'm going to lose my 35-1 to Bo Nix where he was a favorite, minus money favorite, for about eight hours on Saturday. Would you hedge it at all? No, too late. Now Because now... Jaden Daniels is minus one twenty. What am I going to bet that? Sure, just cover your cover your initial what you put down. 
Yeah, but then there, I'm just there is a hedge. Even the, with a minus one twenty, there is a hedge. Like maybe I'll uh, I'll look today and I'll decide. I might have to. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, so yeah, that that's that's about the only interesting thing that came out of this week, to be honest. Everything kind of was chalk. Well, no, I think it was chalk, but there was still interest across the board. Like Georgia, it, I mean, they went three games in a row, looking like a, a wagon. Um, Michigan and Maryland was intriguing. And yeah, Florida State, even though they played a nobody, like you could have really sh- shook up the the playoff picture yeah. with the injury that took place. So. I think there was a lot of intrigue across the board this week, even though the matchups maybe weren't there. Felt like it's that classic sandwich week before rivalry weekend where you just kind of expect it to be chalky and things will stay in place and then we'll get to the chaos on Saturday. I'm excited for it. All right. That is going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate, your recap podcast. We're with you every single Monday after the week of college football. We will recap Champ Week with you. And, of course, we'll be with you on ESPN 1000 on Saturday from 9 to 11 a.m. Talking college football with you every single weekend through the conference championships. And we'll also get you a little bit of a primer for the college football playoff as well. It's going to do it for us today. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you on Saturday.